And welcome back to Sunday Morning Magazine. Again, all morning long, we're talking to people who have turned their lives around. For more information, again, you can visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. In the studio with me now, we're joined by Sam and Susan Landis. They're co-founders of Maslow's Army. They're here this morning to share their story. It's our pleasure to welcome Sam and Susan Landis to Sunday Morning Magazine. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Good. So let's start at the beginning, and we'll start with Sam. Now, Sam, I understand that you lived on the streets for over 20 years. How did you get there? Really, through a series of poor decision-making. I had no self-esteem and no uh, uh, sense of identity. I was adopted into a family in Anderson Township, and I just didn't fit in. You know, with that family. So this led me to being sent off to boarding school and it led up a chain reactions, which led to hanging out with a host of fair weather friends and and really making poor decisions. And so how did you actually end up on the street? Well, one of the decisions uh, that I decided to go watch a concert in Chicago and my adopted parents said, if you go to the show, when you get back home, your bags and luggage, everything will be on the porch. You know, we're kicking you out. I called their bluff, and I went to the show, and true to their word, when I got home, uh, all the bags and all my stuff was on the porch. So this led to about of 20 years of homelessness. Okay. Do you regret going to Chicago? I do not. <laughs> not right. at all. Wow, really? Look at you. <laughs> all right. So how did you survive? You know, we hear people talking about being homeless, being on the streets, and it's for a period of time. But for you, it was 20 years. That was a way of life for you. How did you survive? Well, it was a a very tough transitional moment. Uh, I went to the downtown Cincinnati area, started walking around the streets and and, uh, just talking to other people that were also experiencing homelessness. And uh, some of them, they're really great people out there and they'll lead you by the hand and they'll introduce you to some of the resources uh, such as the soup kitchens, where to get a meal and uh, where to get your showers and your, you know, haircuts and, and, uh, you know, just things that you need to utilize when you're out there. So each and every day it was a, I was in a very desperate situation where it was a struggle to survive. All right, Susan, let me ask you this. Now, you two were on the streets. You were homeless at one point. What led you to a life on the street? Well, what led me there was, first let me start and say, as a child I struggled with social anxiety and depression. However, my senior year in high school, I wasn't aware, but I had bipolar disorder. Um, And anyway, through a series of bad events, I ended up, um, you know, addicted to drugs and alcohol. And um, I ended up in abusive relationships. I bounced from relationship to relationship. Um, With bipolar disorder, you make a lot of high risk decisions. Now, let me say that my family wanted me home. They, They were very supportive But due to my struggles with mental illness, I was pretty much lost in my disease. What I went through, I still battle trauma. It's it's something you don't really ever get over. You think to yourself, like, how did I end up in that situation? Because literally I was an 18-year-old senior in high school. And by a year after I graduated, I was sleeping outside in the back of a pickup truck. Explain to us what it's like to be homeless because, you know, we see it, you know, do people have compassion for you when they see you on the streets? Um, What was your experience like, Sam, and for you, Susan, as well? There were a lot of generous people out there. 
The one thing that I realized when I was out there is is that that people, you know, through lack of a knowing how to give, uh, would would freely give money, and that it, it was a sense of enabling. It would make them feel good to be able to hand somebody ten or twenty dollars, so they walk away with that. So people were pretty warm and receptive, but they would also look down on you. One day I remember going to uh, one of our local clothing stores, uh, secondhand stores, and they gave me a suit. So I decided to wear that suit one day. One week previous, uh, there it was a Sunday, and I noticed that people were on their way to church. And, of course, you know, I, I had ripped up jeans and a dirty T-shirt and— I'm sure I stunk pretty bad, and I would say hello to these people, and they would uh, walk very quickly, you know, and sometimes cross the street to get out of my way. But the day that I wore this suit, I went up to some of the very same faces, and they were very warm and receptive. They would shake my hand and and ask me how my day was. They had they had no idea. So I just really want to let people out there listening know that. Uh, Homeless is a situation, not an identity. These people had a life before. You know, these are people. These are citizens. It's our obligation, what I feel, is that we need to offer them a hand up. We need to find out what it is that is blocking them from taking that next step in their life to be healthy, productive members of society. Okay. All right, Susan, what was your experience like? Do you feel that people had compassion for you when you were homeless? And did, in your situation, at least you had a truck, right? Yes. So um, did people even know you were homeless? People did because we would try to couch hop, but my experience was... Couch hop? Couch hop, like stay, like try to sleep in somebody's living room, sleep on their couch, Okay, you know, stay at their houses. And the thing is, is that you could stay there for a couple days, that was it. You know, there wasn't any chance to build any security. So my experience was I went hungry a lot and having social anxiety did not help my situation. I remember walking around the mall, like literally when you don't have anywhere to go, you just kind of walk around. And I remember walking around the mall and you always, you know, see the, you know, Chinese restaurant handing out, um, Free, sample. free samples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, I want to ask them for a free sample because I'm so hungry. But I with my social anxiety, I couldn't even though I was so hungry, I couldn't ask. So I know that the people there are some people that are out there today that have that same issue. I'm not unique. I'm not special. And I know that, you know, with um, the nonprofit my husband and I created, we since we've experienced these situations we can relate and we can offer these people our firsthand experience and say, look, we know what you're going through. Just let us help. Okay. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. This morning, we're talking to people who have turned their life around. We're talking to Sam. We're also speaking to Susan, husband and wife. They are co-founders of a nonprofit. We'll talk about that in a second. For more information on the show, you can like us on our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there now, and join the conversation there as well. Now, let's talk about, you know, this show is all about turning your life around. For you, what was your turning point? And Sam, I understand that you had a near-death experience that turned your life around. Is that right? That's absolutely right. So I was sleeping across from the Montgomery and Boathouse. 
and it was about 10 degrees outside and a gentleman passing by had noticed that I was out there. He, he pulled over his car and started talking to me and, and trying to get to know me. And um, he said, listen, I have uh, an apartment with a, a, an extra bedroom. And if you're ready to try to make a change in your life, I'm going to offer you the spare bedroom in, in my apartment and I'll meet your basic needs as long as you do something to try to better your situation. I saw that as the breaking point because I knew that I was going to freeze to death outside. Mm. I knew that this is this is how I was going to lose the struggle. You know, I, I also had been self-medicating on drugs and alcohol for, for the past over 20 years. So this also led me to stay out there longer. So he moved me into his house. He met my basic needs. It met my security. And uh, I started going out and, and exploring some of the 12-step programs that were out there. And I started relating to some of the people and some of their experiences, and I noticed that a lot of them had the same issues as I had, and it didn't really matter to the extremity. You know, I was able to relate to them, and so I thought that there might be hope for me. So I was continually, as I lived at this gentleman's house, I was going back and forth. I was relapsing a lot. I tried to put the drugs down and stick to alcohol. It was March 25th of 2015. I felt that my body was shutting down, and I called this gentleman at work, and he says, you have two options. He said, you could either go to sleep or go get some help. So this, is, this was the turning point. I, I closed my eyes, and, and I had a, a spiritual experience, I must say, where you know I, I saw my life for what it was. I saw how selfish and self-centered and that I had really done nothing to to help help change this world or, or bring anything of value to this world. And and then I, I said a prayer, you know, if I can get through this, then I'm going to change my, my life around and I'm going to serve others. So I called a taxi cab who showed up in Park Hills in three minutes, which was never happens. If you, if you guys out there have ever called a cab, <laughs> you're lucky if they show up in an hour. So this guy shows up in about three minutes. I go, I stumble out to the cab and I get in the back seat and say, Hey, buddy, I don't have any cash. I have $14 worth of scratch off tickets if you could take me to the hospital ER. And he took my word at, you know, that they were good. And he dropped me off down in at the uh, local hospital where I collapsed in the lobby. Uh, I woke up three days later in the uh, in ICU. And uh, they told me that I was three. I had been three times the legal limit with acute pancreatitis. That really, there was no explanation why I was still there. My body was in shutdown mode. Mm -hmm. So I spent about nine days overall in the hospital, and that was my turning point. That was that was the wake up call that I have everything I need to recover. I'm getting the tools I need from for from the twelve step programs. You know, through the positive relationships. At that time, I began college. I was getting straight A's, and and I decided that my life is no longer going to be about me. I lived my life. I've lived, you know, for serving myself, and now I'm going to live for serving others. And and I hit the ground running. I I got involved in everything I could at school. I became vice president of student government. You know, I joined the judicial board. Me, a thief, a dishonest liar. You know, being on a judicial board in a college, and it just—it was extraordinary, and that continued to boost my self-esteem. 
and I uh, continued to make these positive relationships. I continued to give people rides when they needed rides, and I continued to get involved. And uh, it was it was a beautiful transition. So explain to me, you know, because it's hard for me to understand. Explain to me, you're out there, you're living on the streets, you have no money, but yet you can get alcohol and you can get drugs. How does that happen? I was always pretty bright. So um, I, you learn how to adapt when you're on the streets. Um, so basically, I would just walk up to people. I'd go into the hotel lobbies. I'd even ride the elevators. I'd go to parking garages, and, and I'd make up a story. Uh, hey, my credit card got declined. Can you help me get my car out of the garage? Um, I was always able to obtain clothing. I was always able to obtain decent clothing when I needed to. So I would uh, suit my uh, suit myself up. I would go into the local restrooms. I would I would bird bath. So I smelled decent enough to do this, and I would play on people's heartstrings, which I'm ashamed of. But it's all part of the process of trying to survive. Many people do it out there right now. Many people holding the signs when they get money, they repurpose it, like I did. I would sometimes be down at the Paul Brown Stadium or Great American Ballpark, you know, and I'd fly the signs, and I would. Always typically repurpose that money. I may have money for food. I may have money for my cigarettes, but the money always went for the drugs and the alcohol and, and the amount of money that was pouring out there just flowed like honey. Good. Honest answer. So Susan, for you, what was it that turned your life around? So after being out there for a while, you start getting really tired. And one of the, there was a night in particular that stands out to me. So um, the person I was with, we didn't have anywhere else to go, you know, um, and we literally were laying in the back of the pickup truck with a blanket down and it was early spring. So it was still kind of chilly. And I remember it started raining on me and I was just so tired. He's telling me, get in the cab. Come on, it's raining. And I'm like, I don't care. I can't sleep in that the cab of that truck anymore because it's very it was very uncomfortable. And. I remember thinking to myself, like, there, there's something wrong besides depression and anxiety. Like, I should not be living like this because I would hear stories about how people I had went to high school with were just, you know, getting moving off and going to UK. And I was sleeping out in a pickup truck. So what really turned my life around was that moment right there. And then I got pregnant with my son. And I realized that I needed to get help because just because I was struggling, I didn't want him to have to struggle and live the way I was living. So I ended up getting an apartment and, you know, getting help for my mental illness. And, you know, I tried to make it work with the partner I was with. However, due to issues, it just didn't work out. Um Experiencing what I experienced has given me the chance to be able to share with others what I've been able to overcome. I mean, I enrolled into college. Granted, it's taken me a long time, but I'm finally getting my bachelor's degree. I'm going right. to graduate in December. All right. So. Well, congratulations to you. Thank you. All right. Good. You must be very proud. So good for you. It was a fight. Okay. And so today the two of you are married. And you recently started your own nonprofit to help the homeless. Tell us about this nonprofit, Susan. So the name of our organization is Maslow's Army. Um, we're based off of Ma- Abraham Maslow and his hierarchy of needs. 
Um, but we do an outreach every Sunday on Fountain Square where we help meet the basic human needs. Um, we set up from nine large tents now where we do um, – we hand out pizza, bottled water, fruit dessert. Um, we do up to 25 free haircuts. We have 60 volunteers that come out, up to 60. Our outreach is really one of those – it's a way for us to be able to engage with those that are directly on the streets experiencing homelessness. And a lot of the times I'll sit down with individuals and I'll just get to know them and get to know their story. I won't necessarily talk about my experience the whole time. I'll say I've experienced that as well. Tell me a little bit about what you're going through. Because ultimately, by reaching out to these people that are out there, that you can give them services all day long. You can give hand them a resource list. But if you're not listening to them and trying to get to know their experiences, then it's not going to work. I mean, because it took, it really takes a um, a heart to do this kind of work. And if you just go into it with business-like mentality, like I'm going to get people off the streets and hand them a resource guide and you're done, it's not going to work that way. And, of course, you're serving the homeless population. Is that right? Yeah, homeless population, it, we serve them at our outreach. But we also, through the week, we offer resources to those that are experiencing poverty. So it's not just one of those things where we direct our services strictly to those experiencing homelessness. I mean, if somebody reaches out to us and they're having an issue with addiction, we will refer them to a qualified professional Um And I think that's very important because if you just work with one group of people, there's still tons of people out there that need our help and our services. So we stretch ourselves thin. I mean, we do. But at the end of the day, it is worth it because we've had people call that, you know, are um, suicidal and they're just like, I'm not homeless. I have a home. I I need help. And we will refer them, you know, we'll get them the help that they need, call 911. But after that, we will sit down with them and try to offer them resources that can help them get better. And again, in case you're just tuning in this morning, all morning long, we're talking to people who have turned their lives around. We're talking to Sam and Susan Landis. They're co-founders of Maslow's Army. They're here this morning to talk about how they've turned their lives around. They both were homeless at one point, and they have indeed turned their lives around. If you would like to find out more about their story or more about our guests this morning, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there now, and join the conversation there as well. You can also listen to the show anytime you like. Just go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. You can go to Podcast One or the iTunes Store as well. Now, Susan, what advice would you give to those listening this morning that might have a loved one who is currently homeless? What advice would you give to them? I would say don't give up on them just because you're angry with them. Maybe they've stole money from you. Maybe they're not exactly living their lives the way they should be. Just understand that these, your sons, your daughters, they, they're struggling and there's it's not always something that you've done it's it's just something that's happened to them it, like for me it was mental illness it was nothing my parents did to me that caused me to live the way i was living 
And I think it's very important for those that are out there that are experiencing homelessness and addiction, how one of the things that has set me apart was I was resilient. I never gave up. There's going to be tons of obstacles that are out there that are thrown at you, and you're going to think, I am not going to be able to get off the street. I'm not able, I'm not able to recover from this addiction. And you just got to be resilient and keep fighting and know that your life means something. So, Sam, for you, what advice would you give to those that are out there that are homeless? I think Susan touched on a lot of things, but your perspective. Be encouraged. Don't give up. You know, there are people out there that care about you and love you for who you are. There are people out there willing to help you if you're willing to help yourself. All right. Well, we're out of time this morning. If our listeners would like to find out more about Maslow's Army, how can they find out more? They can go to our website at www.maslowsarmy.org. That's maslowsarmy.org or on Facebook at Maslow's Army. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having us on today. We've been speaking to Sam and Susan Landis, co-founders of Maslow's Army. Remember, more information about the show can be found on our Facebook page. Visit Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there now, and join the conversation there as well. Coming up next, as we continue our look at people who have turned their lives around, we talk to former members of rival gangs. They tell us how they came together to turn their lives around. Their story coming up next as Sunday Morning Magazine continues right after this.